So it, for some folks, it may be a little intense. Just bring a seatbelt with you. <clears throat> Buckle up and get ready. But we, you know, I, I, I think about when it comes to worshiping God, and I've seen some of you at a ball game. And my, my feeling is this, we ought to give God at least as much as we give the Cardinals or the Cubs, right? <clears throat> the, the truth is he deserves a lot more than that, right? So worship is an expression of our love for him. So, you know, if I'm trying to express my love for my wife and I come in and I give her a flower that's all dried up and wilted and say, here, baby, I just want you to know I love you. She's probably going to look at me like, really? I mean, is that the best you can do? But when we express our love in a way that the person is able to recognize and understand they really love me then it removes any question from their mind. I thought about earlier in the service when you were sharing about what God had spoke to you, and I thought about, you know, God has a way of erasing every doubt from your mind. And somebody said, oh, I sure wish he'd do that for me. He did at Calvary's cross. He erased every doubt on whether or not he loves us. Aren't you glad that he loves us today? <clears throat> so come tonight expecting, if you have your Bibles, I want you to go to Luke, the 22nd chapter, and I'm going to be reading from verse 35, but before we get there, I, I want to preach to you today for just a little bit on this topic, shine a light. Would you say that with me? Shine a light. I don't know how many of you have ever tried to do a repair in the dark. You know what I mean? If you've been on the side of the road or, you know, you had a uh, flat tire or something, you're trying to change it and it's dark and you can't see. Last week when we were, was it last week we were in Hot Springs? Last week we were in Hot Springs and Mike and I got there early and we were trying to set up all the sound equipment and that room was very dark. We had all the lights on that could come on that we could see, you know, and there were other lights that were controlled by a computer and we didn't know how to get those on. And I finally said, Mike, I said, man, let's take a break, go get some lunch, and I want to go get a light. So I went and got a light and brought back 9,000 lumens into that building. And man, we could see, but the problem was every once in a while we'd turn around and look up and that light would be like, oh, you know, and Paul came in trying to set his drums up, and he said, I don't have to play with this thing shining in my face, do I? He said, you know, so light is wonderful when it is shown the right way. Everybody say, shine a light. Now, stay with me because you may, you may try and figure out where I'm going here. And he said to them, this is Jesus speaking, let me, let me create this scene. It's the Last Supper, what would become known as the Last Supper. It's the Feast of the Passover. He's sitting with his disciples, and he begins to reflect on the three years that he'd been with them. And he begins to make them acknowledge some things. He just asks some pointed questions. And this comes after he had made some pointed statements. He had made a statement and said, one of you shall betray me. 
and it rocked their world. They didn't know it was Judas. If they had, they'd have hung him. They, because they're asking, who is it? Is it I? Is it I? They're, they're all asking who it is. They don't know that Judas is the one. Judas knows he's getting ready to do it, and Jesus knew it, but nobody else knew it. And so it's rocked the world, and then he asked them a question. He said, when, oh, let me read it for you. So he, he asked them, and he said to them, when I sent you without money bag, knapsack, and sandals, did you lack anything? Think about what he's doing. He's saying, while you've been with me, have you ever lacked anything? And they answered, and so they said nothing. You've provided everything for us. We've lacked nothing. Now watch what he says. Then he said to them, but now. Everybody say that with me, but now. That means that something's getting ready to change. He said, but now he who has a money bag, let him take it. And likewise, a knapsack, and he who has no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. For I say to you that that which is written must still be accomplished in me. And he was numbered with the transgressors, for the things concerning me have an end. What was Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, look, I need you to get ready because there's some things that are getting ready to transpire in my life and while I'm always going to be with you I am not going to be with you the way I am with you now I'm going to be taken out of this life and you've got to get a mind change everybody say get yourself set so he tells them he said you get your money bag What's he saying? He's saying, look, I've taken care of everything for you up to this point, but now this gospel is going to cost you something. How many of you know or have had friends that started living for God and the first time that something went wrong, they abandoned ship? The first time that things didn't work out the way they thought they ought to work out or the first time that a friend said something to them that upset their apple cart, they cut and run. He's saying you're going to have to get your mind made up that this is going to cost me something and I'm not backing up, I'm not letting go. As a matter of fact, he's telling them prepare for war. What's he saying? He's saying if you don't have a sword, you need to sell your garment and buy one. Now, there's a problem here because he's speaking to them about spiritual warfare, but they're understanding it as natural. So look what happens here. They answer him, and they said, look, he, look here. Or he said, Lord, look, here are two swords. And he said to them, it is enough. He's telling them, to prepare for war buy a or sell a garment and buy a sword he's trying to get them ready for what's about to come friends i'm telling you if we don't get ready for what's about to come we're going to be scrambling the way the disciples were i want you to hang with me here for a second i want to show you something he's saying i'm with you but things are getting ready to change We've experienced that in our world. I'm with you, but things are getting ready to change. So you've got to get your mindset that this may cost me something. You have to get into a, 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 how can I say this? You've got to 
prepare yourself for the battle. Everybody say for the battle. Now they think this is all about a natural battle. And so when they say, Lord, here are two swords, and, and he looks at them and he says, it's enough because the sword there that it's talking about comes from the Greek word makaria, which means a knife or a, a, a dirk, like a dagger. And they would wear this strap to their side. And so they, they, they had it, and, and we know Peter's got one because he ends up using it. And he whips it out, and he said, hey, we got two here. And, and, and Jesus says, it's enough. Let me talk to you about what I believe he's doing. When he says it's enough, I don't believe he's speaking to them and saying those swords are sufficient. I think what it is is it's like when you're talking to your children and you're trying to say something to them and they keep adding on and you go, okay, it's enough. Everybody go, that, that's enough. It, it's enough. You, you're not getting what I'm trying to say. So it's kind of like a... A, a, a mild way of telling them you're, you're not getting this. And so how many of you know that sometimes you have to be shown? Everybody say, show me. I know we're in Illinois, but I live in Missouri. <laughs> show me. It's, and, and so we, and, and that's what he's going to do. There's a difference between the sword of man and the sword of God. And basically, when they whip that out, he, it, when he says it's enough, it's kind of like saying, don't bring a knife to a gunfight. <laughs> what, what, what you're trying to do, you're, you're trying to equip yourself with your own ability rather than trusting me for mine. So he that made them acknowledge before that when you were with me, when I sent you out, did you lack anything? And they said, we lack nothing. He's trying to get them to follow into that mode. I'm still going to be with you, but not the way I am now. He said, the things concerning me have an end. What he's telling them is, look, what you're showing me is going to be of no value and no use in the battle we're getting ready to engage in. He knew full well that in a few moments that they would go into the Garden of Gethsemane and that Judas would lead, the Scripture says, a multitude of men in there that had swords and sticks, staffs. He would take a multitude of them in there. Hundreds of them would come and show up. And they're saying, it's, we got two here. And he said, it's enough. That's not how you're going to be able to fight. He's trying to make a distinction between them, between trusting in yourself and trusting in God. And hear me today, we have entered in a time where trusting in yourself is no longer an option. You are going to have to trust in God. Everybody say, trust in God. So he makes this statement. Let me show you the difference between the arm of the flesh the sword of man and the sword of God. In Revelation 19, verses 11 to 15, and I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and do what? And make war. Everybody say, there's a battle going on. He doth judge and make war, and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword 
that with it he should smite the nations and he shall rule them with a rod of iron and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of the almighty God. Out of his mouth goeth a mighty sword. The word there is rumphaya. It means a saber or a long, broad cutlass. Everybody say his sword. Now, I need a volunteer. Run up here real quick. Thank you. Here you go. Now, we're getting ready to engage in battle. Now, how many of you want to be on my side, and how many of you want to be on his side? When you're ready. <laughs> so, what I'm saying is this. Thank you. So, what I'm saying is this. It's ridiculous, isn't it? But we do it all the time. We, we get wound up, we work ourselves up in a fear and a frenzy, and we start going after this all wrong instead of trusting in him and saying, you know what, if God be for me, who my friend can be against me? I'm not on my own. I, I, he may not be with me in the flesh, but he is with me, and I will not be defeated. I will not back down because if God be for us, who, my friend, can be against us? He's trying to expel this fear. He would demonstrate it for them in the Garden of Gethsemane. When they go into that garden and all that multitude of men show up with all those swords, look how Peter responds. <laughs> Peter sees them. Now, how many of you know there's a difference between hearing what someone said and understanding what someone said. Like how many of you, how many of you husbands and wives have ever had a miscommunication? Because what you said isn't what they heard. How many of you husbands have ever had your wife hear something you didn't say? Pack out the trash. Okay. I will when I'm good and ready. What'd you say? I said, I'm good and ready. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? It's like all of a sudden you get, and so what Peter does, Peter hears the Lord, and the Lord said, it's enough. And Peter heard it's enough. And so when they come into the Garden of Gethsemane and they've been busy sleeping while he's been praying, he's been getting his sword ready and they've been trusting in their flesh. And then all of a sudden when they come in, Peter yanks out that knife. He goes to hack and cuts off the high priest's servant's ear. And Jesus says, put that thing up. Huh? But you said that it's enough. No, I said it's enough. You understand where I'm at here? And he says, put it up. And he puts it up. Jesus puts 
the guy's ear back on his head, and then he demonstrates something. You got the wrong sword. I wasn't trying to tell you to trust in your flesh. I was trying to tell you to trust in my word. And then he shows them. He said, who do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth, a multitude. Everybody say hundreds. Another place it says a band of men. And a band in, in, a, in a Roman regiment consisted of anywhere from 400 to 1,000 men. He said, who are you looking for? And they answered fearlessly, Jesus of Nazareth. Boys, watch and learn. And he says, I am he. And when he did, he laid every one of those men flat on their back on the ground trying to figure out what just happened to me. They didn't believe in who he was. And he said, you know what? It doesn't matter whether you believe or not because every knee's going to bow and every tongue's going to confess that he's Lord. This isn't about I get my power from your faith. This is about I'm powerful whether you believe it or not. I am able out of his mouth uh, goeth a sharp sword a mighty sword and he's trying to equip us we are living in a time that is filled with darkness first or first colossians only colossians colossians 1 and 13 for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. Everybody say a transfer. Cut, cut the lights. We were in darkness. Shut the screen off. We were in darkness. He said, for he has rescued us. He stepped into our darkness and he invaded it with his light he said look do you understand that the bible said as jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days and three nights so the son of man entered the earth he caused the light to shine where there had been no light and he said i'm coming to rescue you i'm not leaving you the same way i found you i've got the keys to death hell and the grave i'm able he is more than enough Somebody say it with me. He's more than enough. Hit the lights, please. So he, he's delivered us. Rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. Look at Ephesians 6 and 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers, principalities, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. I've noticed that over the last, well, ever since this virus thing started, it's been about more, you know, we had viruses before, right? I mean, there were 60,000 people dying a year from the flu. But I never saw people running in and going, oh my God. I'm not making light, the virus is real, but so is God. 
Why, why would we as believers begin to respond in fear? It's because we're trusting in the flesh. I can't even find it. Oh, there it is. We're trusting in the flesh. We're trying to hack our way through something instead of letting him show us the way through it. There's so, much, there's so much confusion and darkness that's going on, and there is a battle that is raging for the heart and soul of every individual. Hear me. Our fight is not here on this earth. It's in, it's in principalities and powers, spiritual wickedness in high places. It's a dark world. And you're not going to get through it by trying to hack your way through, you're going to have to get a hold of his light. Somebody say, Lord, I trust you. Hear that? Wave your hand if you can hear it. I'm gonna keep doing it until you raise your hand. See, sometimes we misinterpret what's being said to us. We think that we're supposed to go out there and read everybody their rights. The Bible said, for God so loved the world that he gave. He caused the light of his love to shine. Now, we are those that have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Listen to Ephesians 5, 8, and 9. For once you were full of darkness. <laughs> Raise your hands and say, I, I was full of darkness. You, you know what I'm talking about? It's like we don't even want to acknowledge that. It's like we act like we were never there. Oh, I was, I've always been a good guy. You're good, honest to goodness, I've had this conversation with a friend years ago. He said, Rick, he said, I'm a good guy. I said, I know you're a good guy. And I said, if your goodness can save you, Jesus wouldn't have had to go to Calvary. But the fact is that everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So you're, no matter how good you are, it's not good enough. And no matter how bad you are, it's not bad enough to stop him from saving you, to stop him from loving you. He is calling you out. He called you out of darkness. For you, for once you were full of darkness, but now you have the light from the Lord. So live as people of the light. For the light, for this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Everybody say what's good, right, and true. We have to let him speak to us and through us. He said, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Do you remember at the beginning of 2020, I made a statement 
and I said, everyone needs to get ready because there's going to be a separating. I said, the two scriptures that are going to be fulfilled simultaneously, two prophecies. One said, in the last day, saith God, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. I said, that's going to happen. I said, the other one said, in the, la- or the other one says that there's going to be a great falling away. It's happening. Why? Because we're looking to the wrong source for our help. Thank God for doctors and thank God for everything that they do. But do you understand? He's still the great physician. He's still the one that we trust in. When doctors have said, it's, uh, there's nothing I can do, that doesn't mean it's over. When doctors tell you that, look, I, you know, that, that there's just, you know, we, we can't do anything, it doesn't mean that it's over. We've got to get our focus on him and understand that he is more than enough. Somebody say more than enough. They told Dodie Osteen to go home and die. She decided to go home and live. She went home and started putting up every healing scripture she had that was in scripture, put it all around her house. They gave her three months. That's been over 30 years ago. Can I tell you that he's still God, he's still able, and he's still willing? We have to walk in the light. How many of you, let me ask a question, be honest. How many of you have ever gotten up in the middle of the night to go to the restroom, didn't turn the lights on? Wave your hand. When you did that, how many of you paid a price for it? Walking through there, I don't need the light. I know where I'm at. Well, I may know where I'm at, but I don't know where you're at. And I don't know where my stuff is at because I already forgot. I was walking across that floor, man, smacked my foot on a shoe was really getting upset and I found out it was my shoe <laughs> got up one night didn't turn the light you'd think you'd learn after a while right I got up another night didn't turn the light on and I ran my foot under the door it was opened up and, and this door was we live in a house that was built in 1870 now so some of our doors are a little higher off the floor than your doors are. And my foot managed to find the crevice. All that could have been avoided if I had turned the light on. But no, I don't need the light because I'm so smart. And, I, I've, I've got, and I've got it all together. You know what I'm talking about. Got up another night walking to the kitchen and my wife left her closet door open and her closet door made a beeline for my head I walked right into it smacked my head then let her know the next day you left your door open did you turn the light on you left your door open See, we want to blame everything and everyone for our dilemma, but the truth is it's all happening because we're not letting the light shine. 
Let me ask you a question. After people have a conversation with you, are they lifted up or do they feel like they have just been chewed out? After someone comes in to find out, you know, and you're going, well, I'm, I'm a Christian. Praise God, I'm a Christian, and you better get yourself right or you're fixing a split. Or when they leave, do they feel like, you know what? God loves me. He cares about me. I don't have to stay in the mess I'm in. He's going to bring me out of it. What are you saying? I'm telling you that he has instructed us. He said, you are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill can't be hid. Neither do men light a candle and hide it under a bushel, but they put it on a candlestick so everyone in the house can see. He said, let your light so shine. So men can see your what? Your good works. Not your articulate argument. Your good works. And glorify who? Your Father which is in heaven. Do you know that Samson ended up in a mess because he let his light go out? He found himself where he should have never been in a struggle he would have never had if he'd have just kept the light on. But he let it go out. But the scriptures, he, he let it go out. Not only did he let it go out, but he found himself in a prison with his eyes gouged out, grinding at a wheel that he's pushing and he felt lost and forgotten. But there is a powerful passage of scripture that said, howbeit, even while he was in the prison, his hair began to grow. What was God saying? God saying, I know you blew it. I know you messed up, but I haven't left you. I haven't walked away from you. I'm right here. I'm going to show up to your rescue. I'm going to let you shine some light, Samson. And when Samson finds himself in the middle of his enemies and he begins to feel around and everybody in the house that day was worshiping who? Dagon. Until... Samson turned on the light and he prayed and he said, Lord, one more time, God. Do you know that everyone understood that Samson's strength was not his own? They knew that it wasn't the arm of his flesh. They knew that Samson's power came from his God. And all of a sudden, they're worshiping Dagon until Samson turned the light on. And when Samson turned the light on, they quit worshiping Dagon and they begin to glorify his God. He's showing up again. Hear me. We're not walking out of this world whipped and defeated and cast down. We're going out with a high hand. Let your light shine. Let it shine. We've got to erase the fear that has tried to overcome this nation and overcome believers. The scripture says that we have been not, we've not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Everybody say, that's what he gave me. Romans 18 and 15 said, for you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but the spirit of adoption 
whereby we cry, Abba, Father. When I was a little boy, my dad put me to bed. And they, you know, they were still awake. And I, I hated having to go to bed when everybody was awake. <laughs> he put me in a room. And our, the room, our closet was a 16-penny nail. Nailed in the wall and shirts were hanging on it. And every time the light went out, everybody say, light, gone, darkness, came. Every time I found myself overcome by darkness, the shirt that was hanging on the nail grew a head and two arms. Don't laugh at me. I was there. I saw it happen. I jumped up in that crib, not to give away my age. I jumped up and I started yelling, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. And he came in there, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's that? And I'm telling you, those monsters were so intimidated by my father's presence that when he stepped in the room and hit the light, they left immediately. You hear what I'm saying? (laughs) We have not been given the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we have been given a spirit of adoption whereby we cry out what? Daddy, Daddy, Abba, Abba. And guess what happens? When he hears our cry, he steps into our darkness and he vanquishes it. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to live in fear. You can stand in faith and declare that God is still God and he's able. Would you stand with me today? God wants us to let our light shine. Everybody say, turn it on, folks. Come on, just turn it on. Just a little bit. Go ahead and smile once. My wife hates a dark room. You don't know how many lectures I've gotten. Oh, no. (laughs) I thought she'd slipped out the back. I was trying to get this in before she could hear. You don't know how many times that she's spoken to me in the kindest terms. <laughs> Told me because when I go home, look, Debbie doesn't like dark spots. So when I go home, there are about 10 light switches I have to hit. And a lot of times I forget and I flip on one switch and I'll, I'll, I'll be in the other room and she walks in and I hear her say, Well, you didn't welcome me. I said, baby, you just got here. That's not what I'm talking about. You know that I don't like just one light on in a room. So I've learned that if I want to be happy, (laughs) I need to flip on some lights. I need to get some lights on. Now watch this, because when I flip those lights on and she comes in, she'll say, oh, baby. Oh, she felt, she knows that I was thinking of her because I wouldn't have turned on all those lights. How do you think God feels when after he's given us light, we still choose to dwell in darkness? That's not very welcoming, is it? That's not very thoughtful of us, is it? 
And so I've learned a lesson from my wife. If you want your life to be joyful, if you want happiness to fill your home, then let the light shine. God is trying to reach a world and he can't reach it if everyone is wringing their hands in fear. He can't reach it if we're all in arguments about what's going on. I got my opinion. You got your opinion. That's what they are, our opinions. And opinions won't light up anything. But I'm telling you, when you get in his word, it'll illuminate not just your world, it will illuminate the world of those around you. Let your light so shine that people may see your what? Your good works and glorify your Father. How many of you are ready to say, God, turn the light on in me? Turn the light on in me. Something else I need to talk to you just real quick about lights and we're going to pray. I don't like dim bulbs. What are you talking about? Now, candlelight's all right if, you know, we're having a night together. But I can't find my way through the darkness with a flickering little something. Debbie, we just got these new lamps. Have you seen these lamps that look like fire burning? We got a really good one. I mean, it looks like it's on fire, man. And it was outside on the porch. And Debbie saw that and she said, I love that light. I love that. And I walked into the bedroom and she's got one of those things screwed into a lamp in that bedroom. And I walked in that bedroom and that thing's flickering all over. Uh Uh-uh. Ain't no kind of way. I unscrewed that thing. She said, what? What is it? I said, I am not trying to navigate myself through a room that is on fire. Do you hear what I'm saying? I, I, I need to be able to see clearly. Everybody say, let me see clearly. Now think about this. I want to ask you a question. If your life is the only light that your friends are going to see, Is it enough to get them to heaven? There's a lot at risk here. I've only got so much time on this earth to do what I was called to do. I used to sing a song for years. If I should carry the gospel to the lost near and far, I won't stand empty-handed at God's judgment bar. But I dare not relax until I've done all that he asked, lest I should leave behind an unfinished task. We have entered into a new era. This world is not the same as it was two years ago. That means We have to turn it up a notch. Everybody say, turn it up. I need about 9,000 lumens coming out of here. I want to light the way for others. And together, 
we can light up the world. Amen. Come on and stretch your hands to have and love them with me. That's what I want you to do. If you're ready to get plugged in, I want you to take a step out from where you're at. You can come to the front. You can step out in the aisle, but I want you to make a move showing God that, look, I'm serious about this. I'm making my move. It can be a step to the side or a step up front, but I want you to do it right now when I get to three. Are you ready? One, two, three. Make your step. Make your step. Come on, show God that you're getting ready to move. Move a step to the side. Move a step up front, but make a move. This is what I've discovered, is that God has put potential in us. We were created in what? In the image of God. Now hear me. I had a light in my room, in, in my office, and it's, it, it's an LED, and it's a dimmable light, but it blew out. Everyone say it blew out. I don't know what caused it to lose its ability to shine. But I know that there are some times in life that storms come and try and snuff out your light. Aren't you glad that there's a replacement bulb? <laughs> he said, little children, sin not. But if you do, you've got an advocate with the Father through Christ Jesus the righteous. Get the light back on. So I went and got a light another light and I screwed it in and it wouldn't come on and I thought what's going on and so I took it out and I screwed it into another lamp and it came on in the lamp but it wouldn't come on in that fixture and I realized something something was wrong with the fixture <laughs> everybody do this <laughs> got a loose connection in here or something wasn't anything wrong with the light. Something was wrong in the fixture. So I called Paul because I, I, I was trying to look for breakers, and I found out it wasn't the breakers or any of that. And Paul said, don't worry. He said, I'll check it in the morning when I come. The light heard that. The fixture heard that. And before I went to bed last night, it had come on. Paul came today and he said, what about that light? I said, Paul, it got so intimidated knowing you were coming, it decided to work. <laughs> I'm telling you that we have a master electrician. His name is Jesus. And he can fix whatever's wrong. He can cause the light to shine. So raise your hands to heaven right now and say, fix me up, God. Fix me up. Do some work on this fixture so the light can shine the way you intended it to. Would you sing it, folks? Come on, love him with me right now. Let's stretch our hands out. Lift up your voice and sing for joy. Clap your hands, make a joyful noise. Blow your trumpets and shout. Praise him for the victory. The weapons we use are not bombs and guns. Worship is the way the battle is won. This is the way that we fight. Praise him for the victory. Lift up your voice and sing for joy. Praise Him for the victory. The weapons we use are not bombs. 
what I want you to do right now. I want you to smile. Everybody smile. Come on, if you're not smiling, you either didn't brush your teeth or you left them at home. Smile, smile. Do you understand that when you smile, I've always been amazed, and I commented on it last week, how at 8.30 in the morning, Debbie bounces out on this stage, and she says, hey, everybody, stand up. And I'm thinking, are you serious, man? It is 8.30 in the morning, and I'm the one supposed to preach today. I'm sitting in that pew trying to get warmed up. The praise and worship team are going on. I'm going, come on, guys, keep going. I'm starting to feel it. I'm starting to feel it. She, she just pops out, and she smiles. I can't tell you the number of people that I have watched her arrest with her smile and with her light. Do you understand? Nobody wants to be around someone that's frowning and acts like they lost their best friend all the time. you got to make up your mind that the devil can't have your joy. He can't have your light. He can't have your song. Run up here a minute, Ron. Ron just shocked me. If you, were, if you were watching the early part of the service today, I had my hands raised, worshiping God. Next thing I knew, I opened my eyes and <laughs> I'm thinking, man, it kind of took me back a little bit. He wrapped me up and I thought, what in the world is going on, man? And he goes, he said, I love you. I said, I love you too, man. I love you too. You, sh- you, you shocked me a little bit, but I love you. <laughs> Folks aren't used to that. They're used to keeping people at arm's length. They're used to being felt like they don't count and they don't matter. I'm here to tell you, you do count and you do matter. You are a child of a king. You're not just some ordinary individual. There's royal blood flowing through your veins. Did you ever read that story called Puddinghead Wilson? Mark Twain wrote it years ago. Two babies switched at birth. One grows up a servant. The other grows up with a silver spoon in his mouth. And boy, did he get an attitude adjustment when he found out that's not where he belonged. I want you to hear me. God never intended for us to be whipped and defeated. That is not where you belong. You are children of a king. His intention for you is to excel and move forward. But the only way it can happen is for you to get the light on. Are you ready? Flip the switch. Turn around, just reach around on your back, feel for it. There's a switch there somewhere. Flip the switch and say this with me. God, I belong to you. God, I've been made more than a conqueror. God, I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. God, I am the light of the world. Come on and give my hand clap of praise in this house. Stretch your hands.
I want to I want to leave you I want to leave you with this you're called to shine your light now I love y'all and I see you most every Sunday and I see you worshiping and man you got the light going on you got the light going on Woo! praise God but light does the most good in darkness well you want me to what you want me to do go into some no no I, all I want you to do is let this shine wherever you're at because when you walk out of this place you're not going to have to go looking for darkness it's going to come looking for you but if you got your light on you hear what I'm saying if you have got your light on you're going to penetrate the darkness I shared this in the first service I'm going to share it now and I end with this back several years ago we were in Dallas Texas I didn't share that in this service right okay we were in I get sometimes on my lights just my lights working it's just not my. we were in Dallas Texas and we were at a conference and there was a big mall there and Debbie wanted to go to the mall so I took her but we didn't have much time because we were going to have to leave and be in service but Debbie's making a quick per perusal of the mall you know checking out sales and everything and she and, and then about two days later she went back to the mall and when she was in that mall there's a lady there and the lady said and, and and when Debbie saw the lady the Lord spoke to her to give her a word and she started giving her a word and the lady looked at her and said wait a minute were you in here two days ago and Debbie started thinking yes yeah. she said you had on and she described Debbie's outfit and she said yeah she said when you walked by me I felt something she said Debbie didn't even get a chance to stop and talk to her she just walked by but that lady felt something and was drawn to it this is kind of maybe a bad analogy but every mosquito and bug loves light so if you want to see him saying let your light shine let your light shine stretch your hands to heaven we're gonna to pray together father we come to you right now asking you to illuminate us God, take away our frown and replace it with a smile. Take away our sorrow and replace it with joy. Take away the darkness that was in us and replace it with your marvelous light. I give you praise for it right now. Make us that city on a hill. God, equip us and empower us to let the light shine in darkness in Jesus name come on and get my hand clap of praise in here today God bless you we love you remember tonight encounter night bring your light we're gonna have a time in Jesus name